0: All right, folks. Brucklery on the Brucklery podcast. Thanks for being with us today. So today we have a special guest, not just Ari David with us, who was you know you know you got to deal with him. Uh, we've got somebody far more interesting, far more beautiful, I should say, uh, Courtney Turner. Courtney Turner is the star and host of her own podcast, the Courtney Turner Podcast. It's very successful, very interesting. Uh, I was. Uh, uh, blessed to be a guest on her podcast. It's also a video. Now I understand, you know, if you were to look at her, you'd say, "Okay, well, now I understand why she's on video." And but I'm I'm not used to being on video for very obvious reasons. If you see me, then you you know, okay, maybe it's better to be on podcast and just podcast. But the point is that uh, she's a, a great guest. She's very engaging. Uh, we're so honored to have her here. Courtney uh, Turner of the Courtney Turner Podcast. She's also the host of truthmatters.biz, a website dedicated to uh, dispelling misinformation and disinformation and getting to the to the core of things. It's very successful as well. Um, Courtney, welcome.
1: Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. Um, yeah, so I, Truth Matters is a we're, we're looking to dispel misinformation, disinformation, but really it's just about putting forth truth. So my podcast on there, we have just, I think today is going to be launching our second podcast. It's called Calling America. We talk to people from different states about policies that are being implemented and how it's affecting them. And we focus our articles more on fact-based articles and less opinion uh, essays. We really try and put forth all of our sources, so you'll notice if you go to the site and you look at the article, each one has uh, links to every source that we use, and then we list all of our sources at the bottom. And our hope is really just to get people asking questions, you know, fostering inquiry and begin their own research process. So as I said before, you know, obviously we're all human; we all have our own perspectives, and as writers, we filter through our lens, but. We want to lead with the facts and hopefully inspire you to investigate them as well.
0: Okay, so this is exactly why I have you on this podcast is because it's, it's so topical to the main mission of today's podcast. Uh, I also want to talk about the uh, homeless situation, how you know, our prediction that it's going to get worse and the different permutations of homelessness, um, at least in Los Angeles, and, but I think also throughout the country. Uh, but for now, I want to talk exactly about that uh, issue that you're talking about, which is about how to dig deep and to ask questions, right? So I'm in the business of asking why things are the way they are, right? I mean, you, you remember from, from our pad, podcast together on your show, that was one of the things that, I, you know, a lot of people just don't ask questions. Like, why, why do we, have, why do we uh, drive on the right side of the road? Right. I mean, that's kind of a trivial thing, but it's very interesting. I mean, but, but I ask myself, why do we, why does most of the world drive on the right side of the road? Was there some sort of agreement? Did we all have a handshake? Why, why for that matter, do we, does most of the modern, <clears throat> do most of the modern languages write from left to right and not right to left? Right. Did we talk about that we before? Did. Yeah, we did. And so
1: I, I answered that question. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And yeah, you were one of the few who kind of figured it out, but, but you, you it was, it was really nice to see. Uh, but here's one of the questions that, on a grander scale, right? Because those things are kind of you know, trivia, but but fun. Like, where? Oh, by the way, where does the word trivia come from? That's really fun. We'll talk about that <laughs> another time. Maybe at the end of the show, I'll explain. But it's very cool. Uh, there is a historical root to that word, trivia. Anyway, uh, why why is it? And this is the big question here. Why is it that among the people that seem to be questioning the COVID restrictions, that virtually all of them, virtually, are religious, okay? I mean, it's very interesting. When you think about all the people that have been fighting the COVID restrictions, they're mostly the Orthodox Jews, the, uh, the devout Christians. Um, remember the salon uh, lady in Texas, right? She fought that. She was very assertive about it. she's not a pastor or a priest or anything else like that, but she is a devout Christian. I, I, I researched about her, because of, for my book, actually. And sure enough, she's a devout believer, and she stood up against these, the authorities. And the question is, why is it so? Right? I mean, these people that walk around the street with double masks. And I, I saw, one, I think Ari, maybe you, or I showed her around in our a little group text. And this woman who was going in a grocery store, she had a full, not a full bubble, but a uh, uh, she was like in a rectangular uh, device, that, a plexiglass, and it, and it went it way above her head, her. and it rolled with her. As, and she had, you know, her hands stuck out of the, uh, the thing so she could push things and grab things from the grocery store. But she, and, and she wore a mask inside this thing. Oh so, and, and I thought to myself, what are the chances, chances of this woman being a devout believer in God? And I, I think it's virtually zero. It's possible, but it's, it's probably zero. And the question is, why is it so? Right? And I just didn't, I couldn't figure it out. And then it hit me. You want to take a stab?
1: Sure. I, yeah. I I have thoughts on it. Um, I think that, I think there's a couple of things at play. One, I think a lot of the uh, policies around COVID actually are quite religious. They, they're very ritualistic. They're um, very uh, structured and they require this uh, non-questioning, almost devout belief in something. So I almost think that there is like a COVID religion, we'll call it COVIDism or something.
0: <laughs> wow, I really like that a lot. That's that's really awesome.
1: <laughs> so that I think that's one component of it. I think another component of it is part of what drives the policies and the, for lack of a better way of explaining it, the submission to these policies or restrictions is fear. You know, fear is one of the cheapest forms and most effective forms of advertising, and they have really used fear in order to uh, impose a lot of these restrictions and mandates that otherwise wouldn't be successful because there's so many unanswered questions. It requires a leap of faith, which again brings you to the religious aspect of COVID because there's so much that is hypocritical, a lot of, uh, you know, oxymorons and just unanswered questions that people have to kind of suspend in order to blindly follow.
0: I, I, I love that. I think that's fantastic. Are, are do you have any thoughts about uh, why? Uh,
2: I have a, a slight um, uh, distinction in in how I'd put it, though I'd call it a cult, a COVID cult, because religion, and we've talked about this several times on this podcast before, has a, a liberty component to it for religion to be a religion and not a cult, you have to be free to join and free to leave. And you also are, are free to not be involved. And the COVID cult requires by and by non-believers to participate in the religious uh, or cultural cult activities of the cult members. <clears throat> the cult members are not allowed to leave the cult, and you're not allowed to join. You're joined by force. Um, but it does have the faith-based components of religion that are there, meaning you're going to take this on the blind faith of the infallible Pope, Fauci. You're going to follow the dogma from the proscribed texts from these organizations, but not those. So you're going to believe in, if you will, the New Testament rather than the Old Testament. The Old Testament in this case would say, my body, my choice, right? No, okay. The New Testament is take the vax, you you killer, right? Yeah.
0: I, I like both of those a lot. I mean, it, one, one takeaway that I have from both of you, uh, especially you, Courtney, is this the sense of it's so talismanic. It's so absolute. Um, and, and the funny thing about it is, I would say ironic, but it's not really ironic. It's just so hypocritical, is that on the one hand, uh, it's about, uh, you know, this notion of, I mean, I'm going to have a theme about this in a couple of Sundays from now on my radio show, which is... Which group is more easily uh, or correctly the duped uh, group? The, the ones who um, are following the COVID restrictions uh, so religiously, as we are saying, or the ones who question it, right? And, and the irony of it is that just how is it that we're being duped when we're simply asking questions, right? The ones who are buying it whole hog. They're somehow the, the scientific ones. They're the ones not being duped. Of course, uh, it's a rhetorical question.
1: Uh, I was going to say in terms of the questioning component also, I think that uh, a religious concept is discernment. And so the, it's actually encouraged that you ask questions. It's encouraged that you seek truth. And so you don't just take something as face value, you know, other than the doctrine of, you know, theism <clears throat> itself. Right. But you're, you're searching. You're searching for the answer and for the truth. And COVID doesn't allow for that, and so it replaces it. And I think it, what you're saying, Ari, about cult versus um, religion is really interesting, although I think that there is the, um, there's the facade that you're forced and that, you're, that it's a cult. I think that people do have the freedom to opt in or opt out. I think that they feel pressured they're feeling, you know, certainly the government is placing a lot of mandates and restrictions that make people think that they're forced to, but you're not actually forced. People still have a choice whether or not to question it, whether or not to, you know, challenge it and Personally, I think that's part of the problem: is that people are not taking, they're not exercising their personal freedoms, their personal liberties, and c- thinking critically.
0: Yeah, I, I, that's exactly right, and that's going to lead to my my follow up point. But I want to hear, because Ari wants to add another point to this. What you just said, I don't want to forget that okay. about the thinking critically issue. Uh, so let's uh, let's hear Ari.
2: Yeah, I just want to crystallize the main thesis that you drew upon for this last. Uh, a question section, which was the idea, though, of the question: Who are the the believers in the true God, in in theology, if you will, in the in the religions that have traditionally set humans free through um, you know informed knowledge and and liberty? And the answer is obviously the people who are skeptical about the COVID restrictions are more likely to be the religious in the traditional sense, and the reason though. I think is interesting, which is Clearly, the, the people who have pure buy-in to the double masks, the double vax, the this, that, the other, are people who believe in the classic communist atheist trope of that man is, for some reason, perfectible because God really doesn't exist. We who are religious believe we're flawed, we're sinners, we're, we're frail little humans struggling to be more like God as we're commanded to be, but know that a perfect being, God, is out there, and we're not him.
0: Yeah, well, that's a very good point. And what is interesting is that the COVID restrictions are such that people are so willing to not only embrace the restrictions that might actually be imposed, but to go far beyond. In other words, they say jump and we say how high, or they say how, how high. And boy, do they want to go higher and higher. So, for example, uh, there's too many examples, but they said uh, six feet from each other uh, without a mask. Well, now they're making it 12 feet uh, with masks. And then of course, uh, even if you're on your own on a hiking trail uh, outside, then you're expected to wear a mask or at least they expect it of themselves. Uh, and they, they turn around when you're coming up uh, on your mountain bike like I do, and they freak out even though I'm well, well past the six month uh, threshold that they so desperately love. And, and so on and so on, right? I mean, it's, it's um, and, and then with the restrictions and everything else that we talked about. So they they really go, they love this stuff. And and I had a whole theme about this, I don't know, two months ago. Why do we see people wearing masks in their cars? I mean, clearly they should know that that's just stupid, right? Especially when they're on on their own. And it's not that they forgot, right? I mean, I, once on a blue moon, somebody might forget. But too many people are, quote, unquote, forgetting that they're, it's clear that they're wearing it on purpose, and they know it. The reason why I said is because they love it. They want it, and it goes to your point, Courtney, about how they—it's a religious thing for them. They feel like they are doing something. Mm-hmm. They're doing something not only noble, but they are saving the world one way or the other. They—they they finally have a mission. Mm-hmm. They don't—they never had a mission. Yeah. You know, their their daily lives involved, um, you know, getting up. Uh, going to the bathroom, you know, getting dressed, going to work, uh, maybe having some nookie with uh, your wife at the end of the day, and then going to sleep and then repeat the cycle the next day. Okay? It, it was meaningless to them. Now they have meaning. Yeah. That's, that's the, the big, big dig here. And I, I think that's fascinating about it.
2: Um, oh, can I can I yeah. say real fast about that? You, you know, if we go back in the Wayback Machine of many of these podcasts we've done since 2012, I would bring up over and over, you know, to pat myself on the back, this need especially of liberal Jews to live lives of meaning, which explains why they would vote the way they vote, which would down the line imperil the jewish people for instance isn't it interesting we now have a quasi nazi communist show me your papers society and these liberals who live lives of zero meaning now feel meaning yeah right that's isn't exactly that interesting right. and we're that much closer to gulags and gas chambers yeah, that's exactly right
1: i just want to say one thing about that that's such a great point and it's i i think it's absolutely true and it it shows you because there's such a Specific <clears throat> distinction between meaning and purpose. So meaning fills that temporary sense of I have something to do that's worthwhile, and but it's fleeting. It's ephemeral, yeah. you know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and when so. it's gone, yeah. then they have they don't they don't actually have any purpose.
0: That's so. brilliant. Yeah, that's really yeah. that's a great point. I have two other things I think to you say. To have Courtney here every week. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, well, we've been meaning to talk to you, Ari, uh, about this. I'm out of uh, here, Courtney. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> That's, right. That's right. Like Homer Simpson. Right? <laughs> right. The dust cloud couldn't have been bigger.
2: <laughs> so, real ass, real, uh, real last. ass, real ass.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, we do have fun here on the Barack Leary podcast. So, look, on, on, in my book uh, coming out uh, in a couple of months, uh, Atheists and Destroyers, I talk a lot about this because I'm fascinated by why it is that people did this. So, I wouldn't let it go. And a lot of your aspects about creating meaning for them came out of there. But two other things uh, were very powerful reasons. As I saw them, I'm, I'm not saying I'm right. I'm just, you know, to me, I think it, these are working theories that, that are 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 clear. One is, uh, the, the second one is the more important one, but the first one is that we Jews, uh, you know, devout Jews, observant Jews, and, and observant Christians— We like to congregate. We want to congregate for the sake of being with God. Uh, You know, Zoom is a very uh, unacceptable and very weak uh, replacement for actually getting together. But the notion of congregating, as in the word congregation, is very important. And God, we believe that God wants us to get together. The COVID restrictions are an offense to the notion of congregating to relating to each other. Uh, it is no surprise to any one of the three of us here that uh, with the COVID restrictions and the stay-at-home orders and so on, that we, we've seen a lot more depression, a lot more suicides, a lot more psychological disorders um, and, and permanent problems that, that, that have resulted from this. Um, we a lot more drug use, a lot more homelessness. Um, it, it's not been a good thing, and, and of course they never, talk, they, they never considered whatsoever the consequences beyond uh, that which they were trying to stop, which is hospitalizations and deaths uh, from COVID. They didn't consider that whatsoever I think because I've considered it. <laughs> <laughs> well, i yeah, so being a little cynical there, Courtney. Uh, but but the point is uh, that. It, it only goes to the to the point of congregation that, that we need we humans. If anything that we've learned from these crazy stay-at-home orders is that we humans need to congregate. It, there's something palpably powerful about hugging, shaking hands, uh, having eye-to-eye contact, um, uh, and and kissing, and and just you know like the Europeans uh, you know famously do cheek to cheek right away. There's something. There And we have to learn it all over again, apparently. And that's, that's what happens. So I think that's one of the powerful reasons why the religious have refrained from this. And I'm going to get to the second one. Okay. And then um, we'll love to hear your thoughts. The second major reason, and I think this is the more important reason, and this is going to be a weird one, but, but it's a powerful one. We Christians and we Jews, the, the devout ones, who go to church or synagogue week after week. And what do we learn in the process? We learn stories about uh, people from the Bible who are resisting authority, right? Abraham resists his father uh, regarding the many gods, right? David resists uh, Saul and the Philistines and Goliath, right? Um, uh, Jacob and Esau, I mean, it's, it, it goes down, Moses, of course, and Pharaoh, right, resisting authority over and over again. And we hear not only that, but we want, and God doesn't want uh, the Israelites to even have a king. He, and, and he gets, he gets uh, insulted that they want a king, because to do so means that a king might replace God as the ultimate ruler. He doesn't like it. He doesn't like authority. He likes the questioning of authority. And so we are trained, we Jews, we devout Jews, and we devout Christians are trained to say uh, and to laud those people who fought authority. But what if you never learned that? Right? It's, in other words, we, we've been exercising our resistance muscle, resistance to authority muscle, week after week after week. Jesus is a good example of that too. Of course, I should have said that from the get-go. Of course, he's, he's resisting authority in, in his brilliantly, uh, you know, passive, somewhat way, without being violent about it, uh, turn the other cheek, and yet somehow resisting authority. Beautiful, right? Uh, he, he resists Pilate. He re- resists uh, Herod. And, of course, he resists the Romans in general. The Christians, uh, you know, after Jesus, uh, you know, dies, he uh, they they risk going to the uh, to Colosseum and being eaten by lions because they're resisting authority. It's it's fascinating, right? So what what happens when you've never been told how to resist the bully, right? And here we are. So that's why I'm not surprised at all that the religious are the ones who are the ones resisting because. They, their muscle to resist authority has been exercised and it's in the mother's milk since they were uh, going to church for the first time.
1: That That's so fascinating. I want to address both parts. The first part about uh, congregating and being in person with people, uh, even religion aside, there's so many physiological components to that that are being stripped from us. You know, your heart has an electromagnetic field of up to 12 feet. That's That's palpable. Like when people say that, you know, someone's magnetic, there are actually people who are more magnetic than other people. You don't get that on Zoom. There's also the reading of facial muscles and body language that you can't get from Zoom, you know, and you certainly can't get them when somebody's covered in a mask. You know, I'm hearing impaired, for those who don't know, I'm hearing impaired. I learned how to speak by reading lips. I actually didn't get hearing aids when I was almost six years old because I mimicked. That was how I learned how to speak. So my first accent was British because I was mimicking my baby nurse who was from the British Islands and had a very clipped uh, way of moving her mouth. I actually had a British accent because I was watching the way that she moved her mouth and it was much more closed. Uh, And so... I know the importance of facial recognition, of, you know, connecting, and especially in those formative years. So when you see these children with masks, or even if they don't, the children don't have masks and the parents do, that's their primary caretakers taker- who they're learning how to relate to human beings. So so many personality and psychological disorders are going to become a bit. We're already seeing that. That's the first thing. Just physiologically, they're, you know, even, I i Understand the religious component, and I think that that all has validity. But just p- purely psychological, physiological, yeah. yeah, human. But, but, but that would,
0: if that were the case, then though, then the non-religious people would also appreciate the facial interactions, and and so that's why I'm I'm, well, I'm 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 not pushing back on you. I just want to understand a little bit better.
1: So yes, except that they're because they don't question. They're willing to suspend, you know, well, yes, we, they might be problematic right now, but, you know, it's for the greater good, and we just don't know, and the, the authorities are telling us what, what is better, and we, we can just, you know, this is inconvenient right now. So that brings to the second point about the resisting authority, which I think is really fascinating because I actually didn't really know that. Um, but what I do know is that religious people believe that we were endowed with free will, and they tremendously value that. And that's one of the you know founding principles for this country. And that's why it's woven into our founding documents is that we were endowed with inalienable rights from our creator. And I think that they don't value, these people who aren't questioning all of these uh, protocols don't value free will. They want somebody to tell them what to do.
0: Right. Oh, so brilliant. I, I think that's exactly right. And that leads to, uh, that connects to going back to the Bible where there are moments not only of resisting authority, but also of questioning God for that matter. Uh, Lot, for example, and Abraham question uh, God about the uh, smiting of the entire town of Sodom, uh, towns of Sodom and Gomorrah. And they say, well, have you thought about this? Have you thought about that? So this is the questioning of authority and saying, look, do you really want to go that way? Uh, likewise, um, there, are some, there are other questions where, you know, from time to time, Moses even questions God saying, why, why me? I'm a stutterer. I don't know what I'm saying, and I, I, don't, I don't want this job. So there's this interaction, this this conflict, and it's okay to ask questions as we should ask questions. And, of course, there are many other examples of questioning in the Bible. And it's not just rules that people think. it's story, There There are stories. Very important. So anyway, I wanted to yes, add that in.
1: And then I'll just say one, one last thing, and I'll, I'll let Ari speak. But um, when you're talking about the, the notion that human beings are flawed, right? Ari, you talked about how... We're we're not the the perfect being, and I think that that's also a really important distinction because that's why you would question authority. It's another human being; they're fallible, they can make mistakes. Who says that they know they're all they're omnipotent and they have all the answers? So of course you would question. It's another human being. I'm wrong. They could be wrong, and. I think the people who aren't questioning have decided that somebody else knows and somebody else has created this perfect plan at, that they can just blindly follow, yeah. which that's not possible. There. Right. It's, it's
0: the time of the experts, right? Everything is let's rely on, on the scientists and the experts. As if there's one expert out there, there's one expert opinion. Look, I'm a lawyer. I, I deal with experts all the time, right? And guess what? The expert that I hire is going to agree with me and the expert that the opposing counsel hires is going to agree with them. Yeah, and we agree and we,
1: with who they're funded
0: by. There's a lot of that, yes, of course, and by and large, it's going to more or less play like that. And then it's a question about believability and everything else, and 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 does this expert actually plan, you know, use the proper uh, scientific methods and their proper proper accounting methods, or whatever the case may be, uh, proper appraisal methods for real estate, for example. But suddenly, suddenly, when it comes to COVID, there's only one expert uh, that that matters, and we all go to him as if he's a god. It's it's fascinating. Uh, Ari, do you want to add anything yeah. on this?
2: And that expert is the person, all oh, the people paid by Bill Gates. I mean, basically, that's where we are. Yeah. I want to make two points: one about um, questioning God, and the other about congregation. And uh, first, I'll address congregation. Well, it's it's, but, it's but, questioning authority you know, generally, you know, generally speaking. This is, uh, I'll make my point here the, uh, I don't want to lose the train of thought because this is important The con- the idea of Congregation is still happening Because it's, it's Part and parcel of, of Our humanness But like all things Religious or cult based They can be used for good or for evil Like in Star Wars the force can be used For good or bad And the bad way is quicker, easier Less deliberate, right? Well, we got congregation, congregating in the COVID crisis. It was called riots and anarchy and arson and all sort of other, when observed just in the abstract and in the realistic, were clearly satanic rituals. And then we find out that the leaders of said group actually practice a form of satanism. They practice demon worship and, and merge it into a new form of Fourth wave feminism, Marxism, in this new conglomeration, which they've actually merged the completely atheistic ideas of Karl Marx and Lenin and Stalin into a new religiosity, yeah. Yeah. formed a satanic type of congregation. But then I want to also address the idea. I don't
1: think it's new. Um, I think it's just much more out in the open well, now. No, as, yeah. as
2: Barack said about Simon Gomorrah, it's as old as dirt. Okay, but this is a new and improved version of it. It's in a new box. With a new package, yes. new label, a new brand, but the, notice that the the uh, beautific congregating has been outlawed. The satanic congregating has been encouraged. Yes, okay, that's beautiful. Let,
0: and, let me let me really. And, and, but I want to I, I want to follow up your point, and then I want to hear what you say about that because uh, to your point, Ari, and, and and either like you learn in math, right, <laughs> that there's five and there's negative five, right, right? or you know whatever number and negative of yeah, that number, matter, right? But but the the point is that. They are the same absolute number, right? Five is and negative five. The same. The absolute number is five. So, uh, so in other words, you can use exactly the same strength going in a positive direction or in a negative direction, literally speaking. And that's what you're talking about, Ari. And I think that's hundred percent right. Or to use your force analysis, the you know the dark side and the and the light side. Uh, and what I was going to say about this is uh, Mayor Lightfoot from Chicago. I'll never forget when when there was the uh, the so-called election of uh, President Asterix uh, Biden, uh, when she went out with a lot of other people congregating uh, to celebrate. And and then when, when she was asked, why did you do that when you clearly know that that would be a covid spreader situation and you're supposed to be a leader in this field? She said, I just It just needed to, I just needed to express relief. I need to be with other people. She said that in so many words. I'm not quoting her exactly, but the idea was that she had to be with other people to celebrate. It wasn't enough to just dance up and down in your living room with the TV on she had to be be with other people even the congregating was essential for that reason
2: yeah and then and then the the other thing we're talking about is searching for god questioning for god And I, I use these interchangeably but it's it's a profound reason especially in judaism where we believe in an invisible abstract god that's intangible that you can't touch you and even imagining it we understand we can only imagine little parts see the the fingerprints the effects of this supreme, magnificent being, and to to take it all in, we can't because we're only human. We don't have the the throughput in our puny little imaginations and brains to take this all in. But we're encouraged to question, seek out, uh, validate, and search for this invisible God at all times, as the high supreme authority of the universe and life. And that any God, if you will, on the earthly plane, an idol, a man, a Fauci, a Gates, a pope, and remember, we're Jewish, so we don't believe in a pope, an infallible leader with a mandate from heaven or kings or any of that. They're so easy to search out because they're right there in front of us. Yeah. We can just go ask him. But we're obligated to constantly ask God: Why is murder wrong? Why is theft wrong? Why do you? Uh, uh, yeah, you know, no, you're, you're right. I mean, okay, wait, what? It's, its part right. of the idea of the intent. So the of God.
0: idea, the idea is, and I think what we're uh, the way I can sum it up is that it is anathema to us that there is only. One answer, or even worse, one person who has all authority about and all truth on one matter. Speaking about truth matters, right? Um, uh, your great website, truthmatters.biz, and the point is that we—that is—it that that dog don't hunt with us. We are constantly in the search. If it were um, the other the other way, like there's only one truth in terms of. Uh, the way to look at it, something, well, we we wouldn't need to go to church over and over again. We wouldn't need to go to synagogue over and over again. And we'd simply say, okay, well, here's, here's the deal and, and that's that. But we have to reevaluate all the time, re-question, um, and especially in the context of our ever-changing world, um, how, do, how do things play out? There are some absolutes in terms of the Ten Commandments, but even the Ten Commandments, um, you know, you, you shall not murder. You know, well, they're you know, that doesn't mean the same thing as not killing, and you have to explain that. Um, and there's self-defense, and there's all the other things that we talk about. What does stealing mean? Uh, how do we play with it, to, to deal with that? So we are constantly questioning authority. Uh, authority is uh, to be treated in a circumspect way. How about that? Uh, when somebody comes out and claims that they are the king, uh, we should look at him with at least one eyebrow raised. That's my, my rule uh two eyebrows eyebrows raised That's a very s- strong standard and in Ari's case it's three eyebrows okay so uh you want to add a little bit more to that
1: yeah i, I knew you were going to say something about critical thinking and i actually wanted to bring that up in to reference to this Please. because i i think that part of the problem this is actually one of the reasons we started the site truth matters is i think so- in this time we've been so bombarded with what to think very few people actually know how to think anymore if they ever did you know very few people were ever taught or encouraged to and if they were they've forgotten how and so and that's a lot of what i hear being discussed is this notion of thinking critically it's it's much more about asking the questions you know i find that I, I tend to ask a lot of questions and it's usually because I'm looking for answers. And as I search, I find that I don't get answers. I get more questions usually, you know, it's the cliche of Socrates, like he who knows, knows, he knows nothing. The more questions you ask, the more you realize how much you just don't know.
0: I I love it. I love it. And, and in my firm uh, and a previous company that I used to run, our motto was that the questions are more important than the answers. Answers are easy enough, Once, but you have to ask the right questions to get the answers. So, for example, uh, I mean, just for, out of cuteness, you know, where does the word trivia come from, right? So we'll get to that, by the way. <laughs> but people just, they, they use the word trivia. They know what it means, but they don't know why it is what it is. And for that matter, they don't know why we write from left to right, just for example, in English and, and vice versa in Hebrew. Well, is there a reason? Yes, there is a reason, as Courtney well knows. So asking questions is very critical. As it were, um, and I, I do want to bring up one example of that. So, so here's the example I'm talking about: where um, when it comes to uh, HCQ, hydroxychloroquine, for example, and the zinc, uh, you know, pack together, um, the the uh, it was it was quickly attacked because Trump had supported it. President Trump, our great former president.
1: And because it was very cheap and accessible. And oh, yeah, yeah. It was, it's, Obama it's all, was not for happy. All, for, all the
0: right, yeah. for all the reasons that you would expect, it was a, a confluence of a vein, a perfect storm to attack that uh, notion, even though it was clear that it, that it works, okay? Uh, and then, and the Lancet, which is a major scientific magazine, uh, said that this is uh, garbage, uh, HCQ and the zinc thing, and it's it's all fictional science and everything else. Uh, And then after attack, um, they were forced, Lancet was forced to retract its disapproval of HCQ. Why? Because HCQ, in fact, was a very powerful weapon as a therapeutic against COVID. But when, when I confronted people with this and I said, but, you know, the one... Uh, major source that attacked HCQ, and the reason why you're laughing at me when I say the HCQ is so effective, they were literally laughing at me. Oh, you know, what do you know? I mean, it's, it's been debunked, debunked, debunked. And I said, no, the, the debunking has been debunked. The Lancet itself has had to retract it. And they all said the same thing. Well, I, I still believe it's not, you know, not a, a, a good thing, HCQ. And I said, wait, wait, wait a minute. It takes a lot. For a a magazine like Lancet, Lancet to admit that it was wrong, it wouldn't have done so had it still felt that it was largely true what they had said. So, but but you're still you know on the on the side of debunking HCQ because you want it to be ineffective. You want to to think that, that Trump was peddling some sort of uh, snake oil uh, for for whatever reason. You know, God forbid. So it, that was fascinating to me. And that was the critical thinking that you're talking about. They don't want to engage in that. It is much easier. Like, in the same way, I, when, I, when I work on my computer, right, I don't, I don't need to know why the, the words that I'm typing and how they go onto the screen. I just know that they do. And I know when I hit the print button that it's going to print. I don't know how it works. I, I can't afford the time to figure out how it works. I just know that it works. Okay, so I don't really need critical thinking for that. That's, but that's the way they think on these huge social issues. They don't want to actually delve deeply into, because in some areas you do need to de- delve deeply. They don't want to figure out why it is that uh, HCQ, for example, works, or why it is that masks are are crazy to work, especially outside. Um, and why this is leading to far more disastrous results than anything that they claim to improve, and so on and so on. They just want to know that the, you know, to, to continue with my analogy, that the words that they type on the keyboard reflect on the, on, the, uh, on, that, on the computer screen, and that's good enough for them. That's it. Thank you very much. Have a nice day. Great. Craziness. Anyway, Ari, you wanted to add something?
2: Yeah, the, the level of critical thinking is, and how one thinks is, is quite pathetic in this um, society. You know, you were just talking about how a major medical journal is debunking uh, or writing articles that they then had to uh, retract that Didier Raoul's research on HCQ, who, by the way, at the time, was the leading infectious disease um, in, expert in the world, number one. But then when Trump agreed with his... Finding about hydroxychloroquine, Didier Rule becomes a quack immediately, like that. That's critical thinking. They also tell you, you know, uh, this stuff is, uh, they love the word efficacy. I was in a Gelson supermarket um, the other day, and uh, this is a supermarket that you have to wear a mask to go into, to patronize. And for fits and Shiggles, I decided to pick up a package of masks in the market for masks that are required to wear in the market. And I'm looking at the package and similar to, to cigarette packs that have a label right there on the package that says, it's if not- you use this, you will die. Yep. <laughs> right? This package also had a warning label. And I just want to read verbatim what the warning label said because this is everything because the company that made these obviously doesn't want to get sued right. for What will happen if you wear the mask and um, you have a? I'm going to use a Fauci term, a negative outcome. Here's what you use
0: the air quotes in that, uh, just to let you know, folks. Here's
2: what uh, this it literally says this right here. The face covering is not intended to prevent or protect from any form of illness or disease. (laughs) All right, it literally says on the package. Uh, So why? So there's sort of two critical. thinking questions here number one why isn't this being discussed among everyone the way they would discuss cigarettes and the warning labels on cigarettes Mm -hmm. yeah why are we wearing these things at
0: all so so courtney let's uh back to you uh as our guest um what, what, do, what is the most concerning aspect of that? Because everything that happens in life, all these major events, we let's face it, this COVID restriction and the pandemic uh, is going to be a major, it is already a major historical event. There are many firsts that are at play here. What are the consequences that you see in the long run um, from, you know, putting aside the fact that we're going to be in major debt and everything else, uh, any other uh, psychological or... Um, uh, national attitude outcomes that you see? I mean, what, what is, what's your take?
1: Um, yeah. I mean, I, to go through all of it would probably, we'd be here for the rest of the week, <laughs> possibly uh, if that, I think it could be longer. But what I will say is I think the, you know, the primary most concerning issue to me is loss of uh, free will. That's really what this boils down to. And I was thinking a lot about when you guys, both of you were talking about critical thinking and You know, why is it that people are so willing to turn over to the quote-unquote experts, you know, to relinquish all uh, critical thinking to the authorities? And I think a lot of it boils down to personal responsibility. A lot of people don't want to take responsibility. They would prefer to have somebody, you know, play Simon Says, and they just tell them what to do, when to do, and, you know, and okay, and they, they blindly follow. And I see that as devastating because it's literally and I know there's lots of theories and there's so many different facets of this but that is the the cornerstone of transhumanism. You take away the free will of humanity, we cease to be human. And that is the number one most detrimental thing that I see coming of this covidosity whatever. Mm-hmm. You know the current zeitgeist is just more and more and it's done through incrementalism, right? It was done through 2 weeks to flatten the curve. And, you know, it's just a minor inconvenience, follow X, Y, and Z just for these two weeks. And then it's, oh, wait, it's going to be another month. You know, the hospitals are overwhelmed. They give you more and more excuses and desensitize you further and further until people just become zombies.
2: Yeah, a second round of lockdowns. And and they they clearly did this as a test run to see yeah. it would work. So Because you said there are a lot of firsts. My concern, and I think it's yours, is that... And these firsts will turn into seconds and thirds. Will this be used for global warming? Will this be used for another round of this? Will this be used for ingrown toenails? What next? Huh. So my, my,
0: my concern about this is uh, among many, because I think I share, we all share the same uh, concerns, generally speaking, but the, the notion that this could apply to so many other things, uh, that's what, what concerns me, is that um, it's, it's a first in the opening of the door to the erasure of free will, the erasure of history for that matter. Uh, and and for people, uh, you know, and, and then of course we have disappointments. I, I have a major disappointment in our American culture. Um, I know that Dennis Prager spoke about this, but he's 100% right, which is how non-resistant mm-hmm. people were to this, that they were Shocked. so willing. Yeah, uh, it, Ari's favorite word is often the word supine, how supine people have been. I'm not surprised um, by that. Uh, sadly, I'm not surprised because I, I've been tracking...
1: Though.
0: It's infuriating, but again, going back to the difference between the religious and the not-religious, mm-hmm. um, the, the those are the fighters, the ones who resisted. Again, the, the, the resistance muscle, if you will, uh, really lies within mostly i mean it 's always number one hundred percent but it 's almost exclusively uh, within the religious communities uh, and that that is a meaningful message to me that that is that is powerful and and they are uh, the
2: ones who failed miserably in this in large numbers well
0: yeah, that 's true they could have been better resistors, but you have in the Christian community a lot of a lot of Christian pastors who are not real fighters—they are trying to um, submit to the ever secularization of our culture, and therefore they themselves are getting weaker and they're not resisting. So there are few and far between. And what I've been noticing, and I've been studying the the rise of atheism and the rise of godlessness, generally speaking, is that we're getting more and more secular, more and more godless, in particular. Um, and elevating atheism as a legitimate form of uh, spirituality or non-spirituality, as the case may be. And that is where the danger lies, is because uh, once we get rid of God uh, in our, as, a, as our moral center, as our town center, uh, then we've got big gatsuris, uh, as we say in Judaism.
1: Um, Yeah, so that's exactly what I wanted to address is that, you know, there's the five pillars of society and Stalin was very vocal about how he had to destroy those five pillars. And one of those, of course, is the religious institutions. And I think the primary reason that that is so effective and so essential for them to usurp power is because... It's really hard for I think it's possible. I, I don't think that, you know, all atheists are, you know, morally decrepit human beings. We I think do. The, We I, do. I, I, I fine. <laughs> I, I have met some, you know, I, no, I know well, that there well, are what,
0: people. What we, what we say about atheists is because not you're right, of course, not all moral are all atheists. My brother, for example, he's an atheist. He's father. a he's a very moral man, mm-hmm. and I'm sure your father is too. They just don't realize that they're leading religious lives while not believing in religion.
1: Yes, yeah. I, I think that's absolutely yeah. true true. Father definitely would have uh, subscribed to the Pascal Voyager, You know, I, I think he behaved as though there was a right. God. He and was a very is
2: now he knows.
1: So <laughs> be, yeah, exactly. but um, with your
2: thought.
1: So, but my my point in that is that I think while there there are individuals who have very strong intrinsic moral compass, de- devoid of religious uh, belief per se, it's. It's hard. It is hard when you don't have uh, some, you know, a blueprint to follow, and it's even harder not just without that blueprint, but when you don't have a community to support you in standing on your morals, standing on your principles when they may not be popular. So that is why family is so important. You have people who will support you and say you are, you know, following your integrity, whether we agree with you or not. You know, we know you to be a a person of integrity, and we want you to stand by your convictions. Same thing with religion. Religion acts as almost an extended family, an extended community that guides you and supports you. You know, whether, and, you know, it's, it's not really so much about agreeing. It's about that person finding their authentic Self and their authentic truth, and following what is, you know, integrity for them. And that's why, and, you know, we can go through each of those institutions, but I think those are the core ones, and that's why it's so important to tear them down, because one person, no matter how good, quote-unquote, a person may be or appear, it's really hard when you're up against tremendous resistance to stand your ground just because you think it's the right thing to do.
0: Yeah, you know, it's such a good point, but that goes back to the the resistance muscle. Uh, You know, if I if I've never been in a fight for example even as a kid and now I have a confrontation you know what do I do uh, do I know how to fight I mean I may be you know big enough uh, with my weight or whatever it might be but do I know how to really fight mm-hmm. um, and if you've never been in a fight yourself as a boy at least in a physical fight uh, you may lack the courage or the ability to even know that you have to fight sometimes physically to deal with bad people and that uh, sending in social workers and talking it out is just not going to work, right? So that's the way it is. And, and I, I think it kind of boils down to all of this, that uh, at the end of the day, uh, it, it, some people would call it laziness. Um, I would call it a desire to not be accountable, a desire to just not have to think things through. Critical thinking is a language. In the same way that, look, we're all speaking English right now, right? We, we, we're not worried about, you know, whether or not we're going to choose the right words uh, necessarily when we speak to each other because it's an easy flow. We're, we're used to it. We're, we've, we've talked before. <laughs> Let's put it this way, okay? Uh, we've been talking uh, since we were three or so years old, maybe earlier. In my case, much later, as we talked about it on your show. Uh, but nevertheless, we've been talking for a hell of a long time, and we know you know, how to say, uh, can you pass me the salt? Uh, we, we're not worried about that as we go out in the street. But And, and the same thing applies to this notion of resistance, of, of raising an eyebrow and saying, wait a minute, hold on there. I don't know if I accept that, sir. Right? And, and people just don't have that. I think that's, that's gone. That language of critical thinking is somehow missing. That's, that's my takeaway and my great disappointment. But it's also maybe an epiphany. Maybe that explains the supine nature of our general response is that, what did we expect? They haven't been fighting. They haven't been exercising whatsoever. Now we expect them to, write, to run a marathon? It's not gonna happen, right? Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. Courtney, um, more thoughts uh, from you. Uh, you know, I wanna talk a little bit about homelessness. I mean, it's a, a very different topic, but you, you brought up a really interesting point about this homelessness thing, and, and we're going to our second segment of it, a shorter segment, but nevertheless, second segment. What do you think? I mean, we're seeing, at least in Los Angeles, uh, a tremendous rise in homelessness. Uh, and that that phrase, homelessness, uh, to me, it's uh, it's not a proper word to describe what's what. Uh, it's a little bit like uh, the phrase homophobia, right? Well, where, where homophobia is, is, it's like somehow, Uh, Not not only are you against gays somehow, but you're also afraid of gays. They're psychologically analyzing you at the same time that they're telling you that you're anti-gay. So not that either of us are are anti-gay, right? But I'm saying it's a misnomer, homelessness. And it's a lot of people, yes, I think homelessness goes with it. But a lot of people just don't want to be in a home. They they just kind of want to meander around. Uh, and they get by in their own way, and this is a life that they're actually choosing. But we're saying, whatever it is, however we'll call it, we'll, we'll use the word homelessness as a, uh, as a general term, uh, it, there's a dramatic rise in it. And, and why do you think that's happening?
1: So I think a lot of things, so I, I just wanted to address the misnomer. I think the politically correct term now is unhoused residents. Oh, my
0: God. If that's oh my not, God, not this a hysterical.
1: I don't know what it is, but you're a resident, you're an unhoused resident. Well, it's the
0: same sure. thing as undocumented I'm alien, right? They're, they're, they're about to be documented, but they're undocumented presently, right?
2: I'm trying to work in the words person of with unhoused because, you know, person of... <laughs> unhoused just doesn't sound right, but that they, they'll they'll get there. I'm
1: know? sure they will. Yeah, they yes,
2: will.
1: Uh, yes,
2: right. for sure, <laughs> no doubt
1: unhoused about that. Unhoused person is what we're using <laughs> right. Yes. UHP and up. <laughs> an up, yeah, exactly. <laughs> an unhoused person. Um, yeah, so that that I believe is a politically correct term. But as to why, I think. The first thing I want to address is a little bit more philosophical in a sense of, you know, when you're talking about the that some of them are choosing this, and I think this goes back to when we were discussing earlier about the lack of critical thinking, this lack of wanting to take personal responsibility. I think there are, and even earlier when we were discussing this pandemic of lack of purposeness, and I think that that is really at the crux of it. A lot of people don't have drive. They're not uh, so they're homeless, not just physically. They're, you know, uh, spiritually and definitely spiritually homeless. And I, I think that's manifested physically. And so I, that's, that's something that I think is a real concern. I think it's a, something that's very pervasive. But in terms of the physical unhoused residents, if you will... Um, <laughs> I, I think that uh, there's... I know, I, I can't not laugh at that.
0: Yeah, it's like a contingency overseas operations, right? Instead of terrorists, right?
1: right? Yeah, exactly. Right. Uh, you know, as uh, Orwell said, uh, the revolution will be complete when the language is perfect. So they're, they're working very hard on that one. <laughs> um, I am too. Yeah. I
2: am too. For Good. them.
1: Right, right? And for us. And for us. Um, but I think a lot of the policies... Have so I think there's a couple things going on. You know, there was the they got they did away with all of the uh, mental health institutions, and a lot of these people. It's not that they can't they're they can't make a living, and although some of them can't, but a lot of them can't because they need help. They need mental help. They need addiction help. They they're they're in crisis, and they really need that kind of intervention, uh, not you know to be put into hotels and given booze and alcohol... uh, Sorry, booze and drugs and whatever. You know, I think they were doing that in San Francisco with a bunch of them. Under the guise of COVID, which brings to your point, they're going to use COVID as a blanket excuse to usher in whatever they would like to usher in. I think that they've also, because of some of these policies where people just aren't incentivized. I'm hearing so many people don't want to go back to work because they are making more money. Uh, and now people are... Uh, yeah, but
0: by not working, by yeah. By not
1: working, sorry, yes. And now they're pushing to do stimulus checks every $2,000 every month, and I think this is just a way for them to usher in the universal basic income. Uh, so... So I think this goes to the point uh, that you were talking about earlier with COVID being used as an excuse to then just usher in whatever types of control policies that they want to put in. Uh, And now people already have, they have the excuse of the emergency COVID, so they can just keep, you know, putting that through. And people have become desensitized this is you know I always talk about incrementalization I think that this is really what happens they start out with something small and then they keep putting in one thing after the next like it started out with two weeks to flatten the curve and then it became okay well now it's really just going to be another month and another month and you know they kept putting in one thing after the next and You know, they started out by telling you this is just a little inconvenience, don't worry, it's two weeks. And then, before you know it, we have all these policies, nothing makes any sense. And they keep making excuses for whatever. It was supposed to be the reason. Well, now it's not really to flatten the curve. You know, it's really we need to lower cases. So, well, to how much? Oh, well, well, we don't know. And then they then they make up numbers and they keep changing it. But because they do this one step at a time and we keep accepting it, it becomes more and more normal. And then they're able, before you know it, to take complete control. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and, and
0: irrationality becomes a new rationality because you start accepting these lies uh, as, well, you know, that's what you do. I mean, one thing is the, the flattening the curve thing that you just talked about. Another one is when Fauci said that you don't need masks in the beginning. It's In fact, it's totally detrimental to use masks because... our. Our uh, uh, healthcare providers need it much more, and uh, this would be a threat to that. Well, and uh, we also and, and then, I just to yeah. mm-hmm. with
1: the mask. He sure. also talked about how, in the Spanish flu, more people were dying of bacterial pneumonia as a result of the the mask than they were of Spanish flu, which was an actual p- epidemic. Yeah,
0: yeah. So he and was also, a, he was every proposing place that.
1: That
2: has mask mandates has higher death counts and higher higher caseloads. And, it, you know, they found out a, a couple of weeks ago a whole bunch of cases of Legionnaire's disease caused by the mask were being misdiagnosed as COVID. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. it's all over the place.
0: So there you go. So that, that is... But I like your idea of the incrementalism, and it, it applies to uh, a lot of the things we've been talking about before, about this resistance muscle that we have. And people are not resisting to the COVID situation, but also... Uh, we're talking a little bit about homelessness, right? So, and uh, there's incrementalism going on in a larger picture, not just COVID. This is not the, you know, it's not just a, uh, defined moment in our American history. It's been decades as, as you've been saying so much, uh, so often, um, Courtney, about how we need to look at the big picture, how it's been happening for decades. And they go from one cause celebra to the next, and and they tell us how to think about it as we go along. So, for example, um, we must. Um, there was the Me Too movement, of course. You know that was a big thing, and you're supposed to think this way, and everyone's supposed to be apologetic. I mean, the whole nation was on fire about uh, anything. You know, all the men were looking back at, you know, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, that they might have said something to somebody, and now they might, uh, you know, be canceled because of that.
2: Yeah, because of 20 creepy guys from the entertainment business. Right.
0: And then you have the, 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 you know, the gay marriage thing, of course, uh, even before that. Uh, And if you didn't support gay marriage, then you were a homophobe. uh, And the whole world is, and they told you how to think about that one, too. And
1: these are all things that, you know, as you're saying, they started. Literally 100 years ago. And it started with trying to destroy the family, to break down yes. the family.
0: Oh, so true. And, and they're succeeding. <clears throat> now they're talking about, and then they talk about transgender stuff, of course. Mm-hmm. And if you don't call somebody a he who, who wants to, who was previously a she and wants to be called a he, well, you know, you could, be, you could be fined. I mean, you could, bad things, you could at the very least be canceled and, and very browbeaten in the process. Uh, and then there was the, um, and now the new thing, of course, is this homelessness um, where somehow you're supposed to accept them, uh, in a way that, you know, that they're, they're, they are, uh, what's the phrase that you used Un uh, unhoused persons or yes. something like that?
1: They're unhoused residents. Yes. That's, oh, that's, yes. That's, that's the politically correct term. Okay. Unhoused residents. It's unhoused. Yeah.
0: It's brilliant. So, uh, I got a cute story for you about that. So there's, uh, and, and it's, it's what I call the new homelessness, right? There's, there's homeless and the new homeless. And the old homeless were the ones like uh, what you saw in that movie, uh, The Pursuit of Happiness with Will Smith, where a, a guy and his child are down on their luck. He's been kicked out of his apartment. He can't afford any money. You know, he's just not making enough money. And he has to go to these uh, shelters from time to time. And he's lucky if he gets even a bathroom in a train station. But he doesn't want, he doesn't glorify his situation. He wants to, you know, succeed. In the meantime, he's trying to get this internship with Dean Witter and somehow get this very high-paying job. Uh, Thankfully, he succeeds. It's a very touching movie. But at no point is there this sense that being homeless is just awesome and it's just an alternative way of life. Uh, but now, today, there, there is this new sense, and and now we are supposed to kind of look at it this way. This is the new turn. We, we've, we're kind of shying away from transgenderism, and now we're moving into the new homelessness. That's what's happening. And in order to protect the new homelessness, uh, they're not going to enforce laws of people um, trespassing on your property, they're not going to protect laws of people defecating and urinating on your property and in public, generally speaking. Um, and if if somebody assaults you, well, you know, tough luck. It's it's awful. And they can loot as well. So these are the things that are happening, but it requires people to fight back, to say, I don't accept this. But we just don't have those kind of people, do we?
1: So I think one of the things that all of these different facets touch upon is the demoralization of the society. We're, we're seeing such a lack of... Uh, of morality and not just morality but lack of you know this is the postmodern destructionist uh, era where they want everything to be debased they want everything to cater to the lowest denominator mm-hmm. you know it's all about destroying rather than creating and there's no pride in excellence you know the Critical race theory and all of these things that they're promulgating literally destroy the notion of meritocracy. The reason that our country is so unique and the reason people, you know, influx from all over the world is because we have socioeconomic mobility. The reason we have socioeconomic mobility is because of meritocracy there's equal opportunity and this is not equity you know biden has literally said that he wants equity to be at the forefront of every policy which is the antithesis of everything for which this country stands this is about having pride and what you were talking about with the you know will smith movie that was the sense that you know we all have challenges we all have tough times and the but there's this understanding that part of our journey in life is to strive to be better. It's to strive to overcome and to surmount the challenges and whatever hand that we are dealt. Now they're trying to flip that. They want to flip it so that now there's pride in and entitlement in no. being the this outlier, whatever group it may be. And the homeless, is, or the unhoused persons, if you will, are the new iteration of this... Uh, intersectionality.
2: Yeah. yeah, pride in basic existence. Because I exist on the street, I shall, I'm as worthy as Einstein is of a, of a Nobel uh, Prize for Science. Yeah. And science. So, that, so that brings up a story that, that I just encountered. So
0: I, I wanted to share this with you. It's exactly on your point, Ari, uh, that I, I was taking my daughter to CVS to get something for her knee. And uh, we, by great luck, found a wonderful parking spot right in front of CVS. And I thought, cool, this is great. And then, um, but I saw that there's a homeless woman and she was just had her hand out and in front of other people who are getting out of their car and she expected them to to give her money and that was that. So, you know, I'm not the kind of guy that normally kind of rewards um, behavior, uh, just uh, these expectations, right? So, but I'm with my daughter who's 13 years old. I want to make sure that I, there's a life lesson might apply here, Right. So here's what I think to myself, okay, well, if I don't give her money, then I, I risk the possibility of, of this woman, uh, you know, she knows where, where my car is, she could, while I'm in the, in the uh, store, she could, you know, do, urinate on it, she could scratch it up somehow, she could punch a window, who knows what she might do, she might deflate the tire, <clears throat> and I don't, I don't want that happening. But if I give her money, well then, you know, aren't I exacerbating this problem? Um, so I come to this great idea. In my mind's eye, it, it works beautifully. I'm going to give her a dollar, and then I'm going to say, hey, would you mind just looking over after my car while I'm in the store, and I'll be back in five minutes.
1: You hired her for security. I, yeah,
0: yeah. So I thought, this is a good impression. Uh, this respects her, and it respects me, and I, I quote, unquote, get something out of it. You know, I'm not too worried about my car being attacked while, for the five minutes, but nevertheless, hey, there it is.
2: So you hire everyone on such
0: dubious terms? <laughs> well, look, when somebody sees, you know, I'm leaving something valuable behind me uh, with somebody who I'm not giving money to. So anyway, so I give her the money, uh, and I expect her to say, you know, thank you so much. And then I say to her, if you wouldn't mind, just, you know, look over my car. I said exactly what I said I was going to say. And she says, fuck you <laughs> to me, right? And I, I, I just, this whole thing just, didn't make sense to me. I, I just—it's not at all. I, it was not playing out how I thought it was going to be playing out. So then I—I I, I still did a double take because I—I couldn't believe she said that. So I said, "What? What did you say?" And she said, "Fuck you! I'm not going to watch your fucking car." And I—I I, I said, I said, "I just gave you money," and she—this this outrage on her on her face. Well, right away I I just. That plan did not work out. It did not play out at all. Like, it, it played so wonderfully in my head, right? What a surprise. Yeah. So I, I, I get back in my car. I repark in a place where I know that she's not going to be or she can't see. And uh, and that's that. But then after, I mean, after all that, I wondered, why, why was it that it played out? Because I like asking questions, right? The questions are more important than answers. And I, I realized that she... She had not said thank you to anybody who was giving her money. She just literally had her hand out and people just plopped money in her her hand. And for her to even say thank you would be to suggest that somehow they were doing something nice for her. No, 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 Courtney. She she was entitled to that money. You have money. I don't have money. Give me the money. That's what it was. And that's the new homelessness to some extent. There is this crazy notion that that they get to do what they damn well please, and they get to, yeah, and you have to give them money. So this is a new creeping homelessness that is, is quite dangerous. Uh, it's bad for the soul. It's very irrational. Um, <clears throat> and it, I, I think it explains a lot of why people need to leave, or are leaving Los Angeles, and for that matter, leaving California, generally speaking. Uh, the homelessness is just too much to handle.
1: Yeah, so I, I had a homelessness story pretty recently, and when you talk about people needing to leave, some of it is literally a safety issue. A lot of these people are not sound of mind, and the experience that I had not too long ago that was pretty horrifying, it, I live very, I live in Santa Monica, very close to Venice, there's a lot of homeless, and they're all over, they've literally taken over, they've got tents, they, they've you know, as Ari said, colonized, you know, mm-hmm. and they really have. And nobody is fighting back. Nobody's doing anything about it. And I think that's a huge part of the problem. Nobody is resisting. Nobody is doing, you know, if you people trespass on your property. People used to call the police or, you know, at the very least, try and get them off. Yeah. yeah. And now they don't. And so I was outside, you know, beautiful sunny day, and this woman is wearing a mask, standing by herself, and it, she's too far away. I didn't really notice all the details in at the moment, but as I started to get closer to her, I re- realized that she had a knife in her hand and I, I'm hearing impaired, so she must have started talking. I could tell she was trying to get my attention, but I really don't know what she was saying, but as I got closer I realized that she was screaming that I'm a murderer and she's pointing this knife at me, you know, very ominous threatening with this knife in her hand and I realize she'd keep pointing, saying, suggesting that I'm not wearing a mask, and that's why I'm a murderer. Oh, <laughs> so yeah. the irony of that, you know, right. she's, uh, she's ready to stab me, but I'm a murderer. Right, and,
0: I, and I'm all for socially distancing from such a person, by the way. In fact, even more than six feet. maybe a mile, Courtney, okay? So yes. anyway, I, I, but that, that is the entitlement thing as well going on here, the, the, the resistance muscle. Um, a point that you made was very interesting, and I want to... Uh, touch off from that. Nobody's asking the questions that you would expect them to ask. Things like, how do we resolve our homeless problem? How, do, do we enforce laws against vagrancy? How can we make the situation better? Right? Do we want uh, this, this stream upon stream and, and street upon street and uh, under bridges under bridges, uh, you know, canvassing of homeless tents everywhere is this good for us and nobody's asking that 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 question they're just accepting it
1: nobody's even asking is it good for them Right. Really, I mean, it, it, yeah, it goes both ways Dr. Like Drew this is...
2: had the temerity to do it And he got kicked off the L.A. City Advisory Board For Homeless Issues Because he dared to ask that basic question wow. Should they really be out here? Is this good for them? How dare you, the homeless well, advocate but,
0: but, that's, but that's the, the new entitlement, right? So what, right. what Ari's talking about is, is that they've now been elevated to a point Where this existence, this is different Than the Will Smith character existence right where you don't you you, you don't yeah it's an identity you don't want to it's not like you ever would want to be in this position right In, in the will smith movie at least now it's this is who they are and uh we need to embrace them and in fact uh they have just as much rights to uh you know trespass on our lawn because what with our white privilege and all uh and Uh, And the fact that we have more money and everything else, we couldn't have gotten it lawfully or through hard work, for example. So therefore, uh, this is the new identity, the new homelessness. But nobody's asking the question. And and going back to our ultimate um, point, which is there's no resistance. There's no resistance muscle. And they just take it. And they're told how to think about it. And you're supposed to be sympathetic and empathetic or whatever the right word is. And and for you to be... um, Demanding that the homeless no longer be there, it's not it's no longer that you're not ca- compassionate. You're evil. It,
2: it, you're asking for genocide, don't you know? So it's weird. Can, I'm going tell my very quick homeless story. Uh, there's There's a homeless bum, one of the kind we see all over Los Angeles, right near La Cienega, near the Ten freeway. And I saw him there on my way to a place I was driving where I go every Sunday. Then the next week, I saw him on the same place same Sunday. Third week, I see the same guy, and he's talking to a black guy who's dressed like a gang member. And I watch as I'm you know, at the stop sign and the intersection going through, and I see what happens. The homeless guy takes out a gigantic roll of money and hands it to the gang member. So it's clearly, I and mean, there's a number of issues here about what we call, I call weaponized homelessness that we talked about, I think, on the podcast episode we did about how they're being used by developers for different issues. And let's leave all that aside. But the the basic issue of what you just said is, do they want to be out there? This guy, the answer is yes. There is some drug uh, business process occurring in which clearly the gang member is supplying drugs to the homeless person who's selling to other homeless people, and the homeless guy, like part of the gang drug pyramid business, is funneling the money back up the chain. Meaning, this isn't a funding issue. This is a desire issue, a desire that these people are being used by our political elite betters for political purposes to make us feel and react a certain way, and the desire of these this street culture, this uh, uh, um, anti-hero culture, you know, this gangbanger drug dealer culture that wants to exist.
0: Yeah. So they, th- there are some people who are asking questions that not the right kind of questions, like how can I exploit the homeless? How can I exploit the situation to my right. own and uh, why drug... And
2: drug... homeless from paying that money to pay rent, you yeah. know? Right, of course. Yeah.
0: So those are the questions that nobody's asking and they need to be asked. Well, that's that's really it. That's where I want to leave it. You know, the resistance muscle that we're not seeing being employed Uh and now, Courtney, I promised you I would tell you what the word trivia means, right? Okay, yeah. where it comes from. Well, where it comes from, yeah. So uh, the hint is that uh, it comes from, you break apart the word trivia, and it's trivia. via okay? So now, that means nothing to you either, right? Yeah. Okay. No, no,
2: via means drive. road. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. Okay, So, so here's the deal. So back in the days of Rome, ancient Rome, you could not post anything like uh, I'm missing, you know, I'm missing my cat or wanted some help for, uh, you know, kitchen, k- kitchen cleanup or something like that or a uh, housekeeper or whatever, anything like that. You couldn't do it in Rome proper, but you could do it outside of Rome proper in the outskirts. Now, back then, roads, you know, you heard the expression, all roads lead to Rome, but, but what you don't know is that all roads were straight in Rome. There were no, no curves, and the, so the way things were intersected, typically, uh, there was not a typical intersection where it's perpendicular. They would have these roads where it would basically be a three-way road. Triangles or trivia. Okay. Now, where would you, if you wanted to post something and get the most eyeballs on your poster, where would you put? It? Like missing cat, you want to make sure you would put it on the trivia, yeah. right?
2: Uh, so e. the intersections. So yes. So this all leads yeah. back to intersectionality? No,
0: it does not lead to intersectionality. Yeah. Jeez, yeah. Louise. Guys searching yeah, for so
2: everything. Essentially, trivia means triangle it, roads to handle the material that was outside the main purview of
0: It the was information material. on the trivia. That's the—you put it on the trivia. So information that was not important, you know, things that you were seeking that were not important. Public announcements were in Rome itself, like Caesar's coming or whatever. He just uh, fought in Gaul and he won. Great, but when it came to these little things, the trivial matters, they put it on the trivia. Anyway, there's the answer, historical uh, basis for that definition, which is really interesting. In any event, uh, this uh, we, we spoke definitely not about trivial things today. Uh, we, definitely about big picture items today, and thankfully, um, it, it was all the more enriched by the great Courtney Turner who uh, participated. I, I, I want to thank you so much for being. Part of this podcast, you really enlivened it up. And uh, again, tell us about where we can find you more. Uh, of course, you know from the TruthMatters.biz, but anywhere else?
1: Yeah, thank you so much. This was so much fun. This was awesome. Uh, so yeah, the CourtneyTurner.com website. I'm on Instagram at Kinetic Courts, Kinetic like to move and C O U R T Z. And then I'm on all the other platforms like Twitter, Facebook, and pretty much every other one at Courtney Turner. And I'm on YouTube and Spotify and Apple, all the Courtney Turner podcast platforms. So.
0: Fantastic. Well, Courtney, thank you so much. And God bless and keep up the great work. We really, uh, we really need you. All right. In the meantime, it's Brooke Leray signing off saying thanks for listening. And we will talk with you next week.